0: Welcome to Asianish, a podcast created by two professionals who provide their insight and experiences on navigating the complex world of relationships, careers, and self improvement as Asians trying to fit into Western society. There are Asians who have been told they're kind of Asian, but not really Asianish. I'm Clinton. And I'm Wayne. Welcome to Asianish Podcast. It's Clinton here. I just wanted to record a quick message before the start of this episode. You'll notice as you listen to this interview with Navrit that I am basically going to be the only one on the uh, the podcast interview, Um, and that's because Wayne had an emergency during this time. So uh, in case any of you are wondering why it's only Clinton speaking, well, now you know, it was an interesting experience just doing a one-on-one kind of style I didn't have someone to bounce off uh, you know ideas or jokes with so uh, hopefully I didn't sound too nervous and uh, this interview still turned out okay uh, really a special thanks to Nevit for uh, you know stepping up and even with the changes uh, being really professional about it so uh, without further ado uh, on to the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Asianish podcast. Uh, I'm Clinton, your host for today. Today, I've got a very special guest. I've got Navid Daliwa, who is has quite a impressive resume. It's gonna take me a little bit of time to read her bio for you. Uh, Navid is a musician turned marketing and PR specialist. She's very known for her creative vision and drive. Instead of forcing herself to choose between music and business marketing, Navri has found unique ways to blend her talents by helping creatives understand the monetary value of their craft. Navri is also co-founder of music PR company, Face the Music Entertainment, co-founder of Distance Media, and freelance photographer and digital media artist. Navri, welcome to the show.
1: Hi. Thank you for having me.
0: yeah, and every like it's uh, really good to have you on a show. I know uh, I've you know we we talked a while back um, kind of posed the idea and you were very excited about it. And for myself, like i I've been looking forward to, to uh, doing this kind of uh, this podcast with you because you've got such an interesting background. I mean, just reading out that bio I already saw like like you know your your uh, interest in music, but also so many different facets of it.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah for sure like when you approached me with this I was really interested in doing so um I think you and me have been like communicating with each other off social media just through dms for the past like year and a half two years um so it's finally amazing to like sit down with you and do this and hopefully you can like get to know me better throughout this podcast and I with you
0: that's right yeah like so for our our listeners there uh so how would like in And I know each other is exactly as you just said, uh, through social media, I I think, uh, you know, Instagram is is has been for me and I don't know for you to a really good uh, social networking uh, platform because you get to meet a lot of cool people. And as you said, like we've just been DMing, I think I, I usually we react to each other's like memes or posts. Uh, you've got like also got really good style. I, I don't think you mentioned that in your bio, so I would always like tag like a fire emoji to your pics and everything.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, same goes with you. I think I had found your page through a shoot that John had done with you a few years back, and I was like, damn, he's got he's got good style and. Since then, I've just sort of been following you and sort of reacting to your style and the content that you put out. And to some extent, I was inspired to, like, up my style game because of you and, like, other (laughs) social media influencers in Vancouver. But it's interesting what you say about Instagram, how it's, like, pretty much fueled most of the connections or the people I've met through Through Vancouver and like establish myself in this tiny little creative community that we have out here. And it's so funny because everyone knows everyone.
0: Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. It's one of those things where uh, you got to. Go in there with, um, you know, good attitude, be, be a good person, nice. And that's how you develop those c- good connections, right? And that's how, like, you and I are able to just be like, hey, I, I, I DM you. Like, hey, never do you mind, like, you know, spending some time coming on the podcast and you're totally gonna ho for it. So once again, yeah. I, I really appreciate that.
1: No worries. Yeah. I'm.
0: So I guess, Navri, like, what have you been up to these days? Like, you know, obviously COVID with the quarantine and lockdown. How are you doing?
1: I'm kind of going crazy, to be honest. Like, before COVID, I was rarely ever home Um, between full-time school and doing work full-time and then doing all this, like, extra music stuff aside. I only really came home to, like, sleep at, like, 10 p.m. I was up at 7, and then I was just, like, grinding throughout the day with work and school for, like, five, five days straight. And even then, um, I was going out in the weekends and going out to shows. I was rarely ever home, and that's what I miss about life. So when COVID happened, like the idea of just being bound to four walls has been so hard for us. Even just working from home, still like eight months later, it's I'm I'm still not used to it. And especially being with school online, it seems that I can never leave my desk, um, which has resulted in like some pretty. Pretty bad mental health, but like, you know, it's all about adapting to these times, like using this time as a break to just recuperate and develop systems for myself where I can be more productive when working from home. Not to say that I'm not, it's just like, it has come to a point where it's like, you don't know when this is going to end. So you have to make the best out of a situation like this. And I think from this, I've just learned to like, not be such a future oriented person. I was, and not to say that's a bad thing, but, like, you never know when life could just come to a screeching halt because I had everything planned for, like, five years, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to accomplish, and then this happened, and it completely derails it. So, like, I've come to terms, like, it's better to map out short-term goals or, like, just for your own mental health sake and just take it day by day, especially in a time like this where things aren't so certain.
0: Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think for myself, the, the hardest uh, part was like you, like like you, I, I used to always go out every weekend. And my wife and I would always tell ourselves next weekend, we're not going to go out so much, we're going to stay home more, and it never happens. And and COVID literally forced us to do that. So the change in lifestyle, the adaptation is, is, uh, is tough for a lot of people. And like you said, because... I think you and i are are kind of similar in a sense like we because we have a lot of things going on always at once we try to plan ahead because that's the only way we get our lives like organized right and then when all those plans kind of derail because nothing can happen you almost go into the state of like oh my god like like what do i do
1: um Mm.
0: so it is definitely an adaptation and obviously with your. Uh, you know busy schedule i mean like all those things i read in your bio plus you being a, a fine student like that's crazy so uh, i'm glad to hear that like you know you, you're you're doing okay right now obviously um like a lot of people you've kind of had had, uh, had issues with like you know going through experiencing uh, mental health but I'm, I'm glad that you're you're okay right now and yeah we can be here doing this yeah for sure so i i think today you know every uh, just kind of what we always like to do on Asianish podcast is talk a little bit about our, our guest, uh, their childhood, their kind of growing up and and get a sense of what was it what was it like for to be Asian um, in Western culture. And mm-hmm. also seeing the inspiration and the influence that kind of drives you to you know where you are in life right now, especially uh, for you, like a lot of that musical influence. And we want to talk, in and then afterwards, a bit about you know career, uh, what you do with all the different organizations, all the different uh, businesses that you started, and then also, you know, we want to talk about your life outside of work too.
1: Yeah, so for sure. Let's
0: start off, yeah, let start off. You know, kind of the you know, let me tell us a little bit about like where did you grow up? You know, I know we both live in Vancouver right now, but tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe a bit about your your background.
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm of. A- South Asian descent. Um, I'm Punjabi by a- ethnicity. Um, so it's very Southeast Asian. Um, I grew up in U.S. Um, I lived there for about 11 years before moving into Surrey where it is very South Asian dominated. So, um, I've spent half my life in U.S. and half of my life in Surrey, um, especially like centered in such a dominant South Asian community, yeah. but I always sort of felt mm-hmm. like I was, Out of the box or like didn't really fit into the community here just because i i like even though like new west and surrey are still like only 10 minutes apart by driving it's so insane how life changed so quickly in new west i was like one of the only brown kids that went to my school and i grew up with like a lot of white people behind me and it kind of got influenced by like i i don't want to say white culture but just like influenced by what i was learning from school. I learned to talk a certain way because of the people that I was around. And even though yeah. I moved to Surrey, it was just like that had carried on and it still carries on because a lot of my upbringing was based in uh, in New West. So when I came to Surrey, there was like a big like cultural clash of my like both sides of, of my identity. Um, I've been very oriented in my South Asian roots. Um, I I started Punjabi school when I was like three, um, and I went to do it for like 12 years. Um, so Punjabi wow. is very much my first language. Um, and then I grew up, I did English growing up. I actually went through the ESL program for like seven years, believe it or not. But again, um, when I got to Surrey, it was very different. The way people talked and the way people acted, it was very different from how yeah. I grew up in New West. Um, so, you know,
0: it's funny though. Yeah. Um- yeah, i want to jump in because i find like what even just like from like the little couple of minutes you just kind of showed is there's so much similarity uh to my own lifestyle i grew up in like well i guess you know a little bit of context for some of our listeners to me not from vancouver but like uh vancouver as of you may know is very multicultural city it's, it's considered like a big melting pot but there are certain um cities or communities that are more you know certain uh, ethnicities are predominant uh, in those you no know, cities and surrey is is predominantly uh south south asian a lot of indians and and, and different kind of uh, cultures from from south some uh, south asia but for myself yeah. like i grew up in yeah i grew up in north vancouver and where there wasn't a lot of like asians at all and i remember you know like you said exactly like like you said it growing up in new west um a lot of white kids, so therefore, I was heavily influenced by white culture. But then odd takes this for me to cross the bridge like ten minutes into Vancouver, and then it's like a culture shock. It's like everything is like Asian, Chinese characters, all the grocery stores. Uh, so it, it, I, I definitely understand when you what you talked about about like you know, it's, it's crazy to say you're still in the same city, but you get culture shock, but it, it could literally be like that when you cross from one neighborhood to another it's totally different
1: oh yeah and it still still shocks me to this day because i i felt like i've never really quite fit in in surrey um just because um uh i feel like the way my uh the, the way i was raised um and the people that i was around like i said it still influenced me a lot of my friends influenced me um from new west um just the way i talk and the way I act, the, my my passions and my interests, very, very, very differently from what other South Asians in Surrey and other Punjabi folk like might be interested in. Not to say that I, um, that we like don't get along or if I don't fit into those communities, it's more like, um, it's a different perspective, right? Yeah, you right? Bring a different
0: like, perspective, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly, and so like, um it's very it's so so insane
0: <laughs> I know I, I totally get it right and so like you just said you've, I, I would say that like you know obviously one of the things about your interest and and inspirations especially with music do you find that like growing up the music you listen to because you grew up with a lot of like white kids or mm-hmm. or in new West where it's like a little different do you find that also kind of changed the way like the kind of music that you like
1: Oh, yeah. So I grew up, like I said, and grew up, I grew up with a lot of white people. And even when I came to Surrey, I found myself like gravitating towards like white people as friends, um, just because like we had more to talk about or we were more similar in the sense because yeah. of my upbringing from New West. I would say a lot of my passion from the arts actually did stem from my New West upbringing. I, I felt like uh, I went to a school in New West that was very... Uh, dominated by the arts, um, when I came to Surrey, um, mm-hmm. everyone sort of had this goal to be like a scientist, a lawyer or a doctor of some sort, yeah. but it just- the, never re- the
0: STEM career, right? Yes. Yeah,
1: yes. <laughs> it never really suited to me. So like different perspective for sure, but like going back to music, even then, like um, I still found myself like listening to rock and indie folk and just folk in general and Americana music, just because I felt like it, it told my story a little bit better. And obviously with time I was, and growing up, I was um, influenced by South Asian music quite a bit as well. But like when it came to like daily listening, I feel like the music tastes varied very differently. And it, again, that goes into play of like how I was raised in the West and growing up. I
0: I feel like you're you're telling my, I feel like you're (laughs) telling my life story right now because I, I, I I, grew up kind of like that in high school i listened to a lot of rock i listened to a lot like 70s 80s rock um yeah more mainstream stuff because i was always i was just discovering bands so um i was listening to stuff like acdc and led Zeppelin and stuff like that too i remember even going to like a molly crew concert just to experience what it was like Um, and then so it, it was obviously not very kind of that asian kind of music culture at all right and i got really i got really into hip-hop because that was that was where i felt like i didn't fit into asian culture or white culture and Mm -hmm. hip-hop was like a different stream so it was like i feel like you're telling my story by like okay you're trying to (laughs) discover all this music and and because your your influences were different um i I think that's really cool Uh, and and so like you you grew up listening to different music um but then like, what was like, you know, I, I guess like growing up in, in a, a neighborhood or community, like in Surrey, where it was so predominantly uh, South Asian, and then you coming in uh, with different perspective, or even like you said, speaking differently and thinking differently. What was that like? What was that like? Was there Was there challenges involved in that too?
1: Oh fuck yes! Um, <laughs> I, I'm still working. Oh, the f
0: bomb came out, so uh, so we want to hear this. I definitely want to hear this.
1: So I like this is something that I do quite like even to this day that I deal with quite a bit. Um, I guess the best way to summarize it is that I'm too white to be brown and too brown to be white. Um, and what I mean by that is that like I'm too South Asian to hang out with all the white kids and really understand their yes. experience and their life. But like I've always felt othered by the south asian community just because i didn't speak the same way that they did i didn't have the same values um i didn't come from Mm -hmm. a family that had the same similar mindsets so like i throughout high school i was bullied quite a bit for that um i was always deemed as the whitewashed kid the whitewashed brown girl or because I was so interested in the arts. I only really hung out with white people, not by choice. It's be- um, it's because they accepted me, right? Um, that's where I felt like home. Oh, these yeah. these people respect me and they have the same views and they're not here out- othering me, which is so insane to say, like power relations through history, right? Um, And growing up- No, I
0: absolutely, I, yeah.
1: Growing up, I was- No, I, accepted- I, totally, I
0: totally agree with you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Growing up, I wasn't accepted by my own community um, for all five years of high school. And when I got into university, I found more brown kids who were living in, um, in Surrey who had the same struggle with me. And they sort of had the same story to tell that because that they had different interests or different passions or s- spoke differently without the the Surrey Jack accent. They, they yeah. were quite mm-hmm. othered by the South Asian community. And I... And it's, it's not to blame them or anything. It's just like a cultural thing. Right. Um, especially in Punjabi culture, that's your, it's very rooted in traditionalism and like knowing, like sticking to what you know. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say that I didn't like, I grew up in a very South Asian home. Like I said, I, I grew up speaking Punjabi and reading and learning and uh, speaking the language at home more than I did English. Um, I I went to the temple every day. It was gr- I grew up in a very Sikh household, but because I was different, I spoke different, listened to different music. That's all it took for people to be like, okay. she's the whitewash brown kid, so therefore we're gonna disrespect her with like everything that she is. So for I
0: I absolutely can understand how you feel
1: it's it's it wasn't fun to go through it all and, and of course i'm still dealing with the trauma of that or like that identity crisis trying to figure out where it is that i belong but i have reached the point where i just don't care because the people around me accept me for who i am and at the end of the day i'm not looking for validation for my own community because i know um of many who went through the same experience as i did and we all accept each other for that so like that's that's it right like you just get to a point where you've dealt with it the way people are going to think about you and see with you or see you and how they interpret you and that's end of the day they're not right if you know who you are and where you come from i feel like you don't have to validate anyone so at this point i've come to like accept who i am and just sort of like give people no, the that's, fuck that's you. amazing, like <laughs> preach.
0: Yeah, uh, because ultimately that's what this Asianish podcast is about, right? Like I think I always emphasize it when I talk with Wayne is um, we call it Asianish because you're told that like you're Asian but not really. You're kind of. And then when you go talk to like maybe like some of the white kids, they're like, oh, you're too Asian because they don't understand some of that culture. And mm-hmm. then you go back to like, the people that are supposedly your own community or you grow uh, and are supposed to relate to you. And they said, oh no, because you like a certain thing or you do these certain things differently. No, no, you're not, you're not Asian anymore. You're you're a white watch, you're part of that other culture. And you, exactly. you get put into these boxes and you're like you're you unique, right? You you have your own interests, you have your own hobbies, you, you shouldn't be put into those things. Like you were telling us about like you know, traditional Punjabi communities, but you also mentioned that your parents they were, while traditional, they didn't follow a lot of that uh, traditional strict mentality. They were actually pretty open to you trying out new things and, you know, in your passions and your interests. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I did grow up in a very traditional household. Like, we have this rule of, like, We can only speak Punjabi in the household even with my siblings like no word of English will be tolerated and I'm so thankful that they did that because like I to this day I I can speak read and write my language fluently um so for that I'm very thankful and they do they're they're traditional in other aspects of South Asian culture but when it came to careers they were definitely more open with me wanting to do with uh, with whatever I wanted to do at my life. I just had to be the best at it, right? So my parents came here when they were 19 and 25, and right away my mom got pregnant. So she had me when she was yeah. like oh, wow. two years younger than me. It's, it's so hard to even think about having a kid right now, but she had me at 19.
0: It's, it's so- like that meme though. It's uh, I don't know if you've seen like the one where they're like, oh, your parents are 23 and then you at 23. yeah it's kind of like that like i I can't imagine the the life that they had at their at their point right so
1: yeah and but anyways
0: yeah sorry on on, on onto your parents yeah keep going
1: yeah so like you talk about that meme and it's just sort of like priorities were so different and speaking of priorities is that because my mom and dad had me at such a young age um literally like as soon as they got off the airplane they took whatever job they could to support me and my siblings at the time, right? so, yeah, they worked jobs that they never really were passionate about or got an education that they deserved. They they had the responsibility of taking care of me and my siblings, and that's what they did. Um, so yeah like that's one thing that they didn't want to see within us is that unhappiness of being forced into careers or going down a path that we didn't pick or choose they they instill the fact that like what we could do whatever we wanted as soon as like as long as we didn't yeah. feel miserable with our life so that's why they never really forced this idea of becoming a doctor engineer or a lawyer by any means on us mm-hmm. and we were allowed to do whatever we wanted to do in school um because we could uh, our parents were like you can do whatever you want just stick to this one thing and be good at it so like um yeah. funny enough uh, like that whole musician turned a pr specialist thing there was a point in high school where i wanted to become a musician and like that's what i was on the path to do um so um yeah. they they invested in the lessons and whatever be and they supported me in whatever way they could and so, like, so
0: even kind of in high school then you already you already saying to your parents like hey i, I know this is where i want to head like it wasn't one of those things that was later in life like relatively early on you already told them i want to do this like let's set the foundation to get to that point
1: yeah, for sure, they were very supportive with me being a musician, and like even though they were a little bit hesitant about it, it they they just yeah. thought like if it made me happy, they wanted me to do it. So they invested in that, and I'm so thankful. Like through like twelve years of music lessons, but when it got to the what point, kind of, where, what kind of music lessons? So I was actually uh, doing voice for like twelve years. Then along that, um, okay. I also did like sax- saxophone lessons because I was in band for it. So I did oh, right. yeah, both awesome. of that um, for like 12 years. Um, but when it came to around high school, where I was like, I, I had auditioned for music school and whatnot, um, I was so ready to become a professional musician. And then like, I started working at a music store and I started seeing how people around me were like living lives as full-time musicians. And it, it was yeah it's, it's a life that I didn't. So yeah, I was working at Long and McQuaid at the time and I was starting to see these people around me who were full-time musicians and, um, they were giving me more insight into their life. And I, like I couldn't stand what some people were telling me or like, I I just felt so bad is that they never got to perform the music they wanted. Um, or they had such irregular hours. Um, it's and then I started to change my mind after hearing about what people had to say and starting to get my ground in the local music scene. Um, it, it was very interesting and sort of like in May or it was April, April of grade 12, I decided to like walk away from the whole yeah. music school thing and sort of apply to SFU and got into the communications program. So um, I've always oh, loved okay. writing and marketing and business like that was like my second passion In uh, high school. Um, And my parents, (laughs) I had never seen them so happy before. Like, they they supported the music school thing. But when I told them that, like, this is a route that I didn't want to go down, they were more than supportive of me going to SFU and sort of trying to Build a more stable career for myself in music or in marketing. So, so in, in their mind, business.
0: in their mind, they probably like they were probably thinking already. They're like, okay, when is Nafreen going to change her mind? We won't say anything, but in our mind, we're hoping that she does it. And then when you finally said that to them, it's like, I'm going to go to like you know SFU, go to communication, go to university. They were probably celebrating. Oh. Probably in front of you, their poker face. And then when <laughs> you walked away, they're like, yes, yes, finally. How many years?
1: Yes, yes. Um they were supportive of both decisions, but I'm pretty sure when I changed my mind, like officially, (laughs) they were more than ecstatic for me to just like go down just to find something more stable to do with my life.
0: But I I think there's a couple of like key points I I really want to make. And I think there's really cool. Like Mm -hmm. one is that your family, because I think one of the bad reps that, um, Asians have in, in general as a culture, uh, kind of, like, I know, I I don't, I don't like to talk about Asians as monolithic because everyone has very unique and different um, interests and passions and, and, and uh, traditions. But it's the fact that everyone is just like, Oh, Asian parents are strict. They don't let you do anything. Uh, they are going to come down on you and control your life. But in this case, and in other examples that, um, you know, Wayne and I have seen with our guests is that your parents, they seem to be like, Hey, we while we didn't get to do what we want we understand and accept that our the next generation may have their own interests and passion and therefore we want to support them the best we can and let Mm -hmm. them make their own path and i think that is something that's really important that you raised because it breaks away from the stereotype that people put on us that we are somehow uh, bounded by our previous generations you know the haunted by the ghosts of of past kind of thing
1: yeah for sure and like Um, i totally understand where like that traditional mindset of like parents forcing a career like it's not a healthy mindset for parents to have at all but like at the same time i understand where it comes from because all our parents are immigrants and they see that the more money that their child can make um the better the more secure secure they are like the less struggle yeah. they'll have to face in their life. So I can definitely understand where exactly. that perspective is coming from.
0: Yeah. yeah. The second point I also want to make though, is the fact that while you, in a sense, like pivot away from the musician career you were originally thinking about, you still managed to make the career that you wanted still relate to your passion. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Uh, you know, that's something a lot of people are not able to do.
1: Um, you know, even for
0: myself, like I I went into engineering and I, I, I picked that because I was like, okay, I, I know it's supposed to be stable and and whatever career, but it doesn't allow me to do any of that creativity or get involved in a certain practice or industry that I, I, I'm I'm more interested in. Whereas you're like, Hey, no, I want to do this thing, go to school, but still keep my passion, uh, you know, per going along with me, like side by side with my career i think that's i think that's really commendable so
1: yeah thank you so much and the only reason why i was able to do that um is because i had done an internship with um a local publication called the daily high for like two years um as a digital marketing intern um but i was sort of missing that music aspect in my life um so that's when i started to like really volunteer with like um local organizations and sort of like shadowing people with like event planning and how they're planning and promoting shows um and sort of did a lot of work for free that way and just sort of got to got my ground and footing in in the local industry that way because I I missed that music component in my life um and I knew that there was a way for me to to intertwine my love for marketing and business with music and I'm so happy that I was able to do that because it works so well not only do I get to apply this like creative side of my brain, I also get to provide this. Um, I also get to use the left side of my brain, which is more analytical and whatnot. It's it's a very ampededextrics experience. And I'm so happy that yeah, I was able it's, to intertwine. It's like it's two. like a balance
0: that you got to juggle, right? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think it sounds crazy. So you know, I and I think this is a kind of a perfect transition to talking more about your career you know we we talked about your growing up the the struggles the challenge but also the support that you got to come to kind of where you are the 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 things you did to build the foundation to get you to the point where like okay i can you know i'm still going to school but i'm going to get involved in the music industry so i know like you know, looking at your instagram and our from our conversation you're involved in like frankly a lot of different organizations yeah. Uh, in, as part of a career with music. And so I, I kind of want to start with at least one of them and we'll work mm-hmm. our way through because they, they're not, I don't want to just say it's you're involved in music because you're involved in different organizations at different purposes with, yeah. with those organizations. Yeah. So firstly, I guess with the city of Surrey, like the city where you live, you were involved with the, the Surrey Music Center. What yeah, is yeah. your kind of role, at least with that one?
1: Yeah, so um, I started working on the music city task force which is run by the surrey board of trade um in august yeah. um, my mentor i like to call him sammy gowie like i pay so much of my respect to him um he mm-hmm. asked me and my business partner to come on to this music city task force we where me and Keeley are both based out in surrey to help yeah. really create this task force to bring opportunity for musicians in Surrey and also expose the local community to the to the music scene out in Surrey because it's it's quite vibrant but it's quite hidden just because um the city's priorities are on very different things um that's just unfortunate like that the creative community Mm -hmm. just sort of is pushed to the side so um I've been working on this music city task force completely on my own time like it's a, a volunteer thing that I do Um, and when Sam, Sammy proposed this to me, um, I was, I, I, this is like, this is what I wanted to do. Like I was working with my own city to make the music community more like to make, uh, to bring opportunities to, to musicians in Surrey, but also making people aware that there is a solid music center.
0: Well, no, that sounds like a really cool and interesting role. Like I know like the city of Surrey from what I read in the papers and what I've seen by when I go to Surrey is that it is considered one of the fastest growing cities in North America in terms of size and infrastructure development but you often don't hear in the news is like you just said the the growth of arts and culture those those things always seems to be put as like a as a side thing it's like oh yeah yeah, we'll, we'll take care of it later on because um, yeah. people always want to think about like oh yeah we, we need more roads we need more um, mm-hmm. public transport we need more houses but then they don't talk about the development of like the community centers of the arts uh, yeah so sure. it's cool that like you have this role in there right
1: yeah and this is the one thing I'm like striving to is to change with my roles Um, and what I want to do is that arts and culture should not be put to the side. It's very integrated into urban planning. um, And I feel like a lot of people, the one thing that they will say about Surrey is that, yes, it is a very fast growing city in terms of population and infrastructure, but there's never really anything to do here just because of of the lack of arts and culture within Surrey. A lot of the communities are very disjointed. Like it's because it's so big is that there's small micro communities within Surrey, but They're not connected with each other at all. Um, And again, just bringing arts and culture into this equation and just sort of like uniting all of Surrey. Like, I feel like it's probably the best way to do so is that like people will have venues to go to within Surrey to watch live music or dance or whatever it may be. Right. Like, this is the one thing I strive to change is that like arts and culture should not be pushed to the side. It's a very incremental yeah. into to urban planning and how a population is going to remain sustainable and how the population is going to stay within Surrey. Because like, for me personally, um, I've always had to go out to Vancouver commute like an hour and a half by transit out of my way to go see a show. Yeah. Like, I feel like Yes, there's a solid music scene in Vancouver. but like how come there isn't a solid music scene in in Surrey in the fastest growing city in the world and like this is the reason why I changed this task force is that to make sure that people don't have to go an hour and a half out of their way just to go see a show or their favorite bands?
0: Yeah, no I think that's that's great. I, and I agree with that assessment. like, you know, where you live, it, it shouldn't just be like the box mm-hmm. that you live in, it should also be where other things are, like, you, you don't live in that place just to go commute another, however long to go somewhere to do all your everyday stuff. Uh, so I guess like in, in Surrey, like this, this role that you do, like, what are things that you guys have been doing? I, I know with COVID, there may be some changes and delays. But what have you guys started, like since August?
1: Yeah so we were uh, we actually received a grant from the city of Surrey to plan an artist showcase Um, first before I jumped on to this it was supposed to be a live showcase because like COVID was dying down in the summer live shows had started but then September happened and Mm. things went to shit (laughs) so um, (laughs) that's one way to put it yeah okay basically um, over the last like two or three months we've sort of built it in a virtual way. So we're starting to roll out the series now while we're working with Surrey artists and um, music educators. We're working with 10 of them in creating like a virtual performance, a music education series that's going to run on for 10 weeks. Um, And it's sort of like built harps on that aspect of letting people know that there there are these incredible musicians in Surrey and this is what they have to offer. So we've been working on the Music City showcase as we call it for for since august and that's the first thing that we're doing and then in the new year we'll actually be recruiting more members onto our task force so like if people want to reach out to me and this is something that they want to get involved with in and in terms of like building a music community in surrey like you guys are free to, to dm me
0: it sounds. this it sounds like a great opportunity, right? yeah, like, uh, yeah, I, like I, I think that's really cool. So it sounds like you guys are, are at least starting with like um, an introductory platform. Showcase to people, it's like, hey, this program exists, yeah. build the awareness. Then next year you're like, okay, let's let's actually get more people involved. And once yeah. we have the the personnel, the resources, then we're gonna start doing even more.
1: Yeah, for sure. You
0: no, know, I, I think I think that's really cool. So that's that's kind of like one one part you're doing, City of Surrey, mm-hmm. uh, ex- working you know basically contributing your own time in to build your own community, which I yeah. think is is already a very uh, commendable thing. But then you're also involved in like other organizations. Mm-hmm. So another one that I know you are involved in is called Face the Music, and it's yeah. kind of like an organization that supports livelihoods of local musicians in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, Can you tell me more about like that organization and also what you do on it?
1: Yeah. So I'm actually co-founder of face the music entertainment. Um, my other co-founder and lovely best friend and just confidant in my life, um, is Keely Ram Scott. So we found this company last summer. Um, we were supposed to be a live music promoter with the goal of Mm -hmm. creating sustainable shows. And what I mean by that is getting, helping artists get the pay that they deserve because right now artists are severely underpaid when they play live music in Vancouver yeah. and it, and it's just not in Vancouver. It's like everywhere. Like an, a musician should not walk away from a four hour gig with $50 in their pocket. Like if this is what they do full time, like that, that should not be it. Yeah. So we were I, I really
0: guess I the, sorry. Um, I don't want to like interrupt, but I, I think you just raised a very good point, and it's something that a lot of people they may listen to music or they may pay to go to shows that they do not understand is how artists can be underpaid. If you, oh. you don't mind, like can you speak a little more into that? Elaborate, right? Like because I don't think a lot of people are educated by that, and I certainly did not get educated by that until I started reading some of your posts and seeing some of the like, the IG content that you posted
1: out oh for sure like when people like okay let's let's take an example here um all of you like there there isn't a single person that i know that doesn't listen to music um and mm-hmm. and i love that people are able to listen to music it's so widely available from live uh, from spotify and the streaming platforms um i have like a lot of are listening to popular artists because what they're exposed to and I don't blame them at all and it's just like these artists are out here making millions and the reason why they did that is because they started local and somehow they were given the opportunity because they got lucky enough to take a big time and earn millions off music but um yeah. people don't know that their, th- their favorite artists started from somewhere they started playing those shitty bars or those shitty yeah. local venues and like I said they were making like 50 dollars from a four-hour gig which is not sustainable at all so, like, that's uh, one thing I want people to keep in mind um, is yeah. when it comes to their their favorite artists, and this is what I like to use as an example, like, they started from somewhere. So, it's like, why not mm-hmm. support your local artists so that other people can see the same opportunities or the same light of day or that same amount of money doing what they love? Um, and And when you think of it like that, it's just like, especially in a time like this, like, go support your local arts, like, now is the time, especially now that live shows are not a thing, make sure to go stream their music. But people don't know is that Spotify pays 0.004 play four cents per stream for an artist, which is of the
0: the worst. They have one of the worst in comparison to the other platforms. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So like, even though like, you're not able to go see local artists right now, go play their music on Spotify, go dig out. There's so many local playlists. Um, just like Vancouver music, you'll get a playlist. And from there you'll be suggested yeah. Vancouver artists. Um, and like, that's one way to get your footing into the local music scene. But yeah, like mm-hmm. just speaking on the unsustainable like thing about musicians and live music in general is that like so much work goes into it. People don't understand how much practice musicians put into their music so like say you have a a show that you're going to be playing this is pre-covid times you're playing a show on the weekend uh you show up for your four hours um and you get paid shit. but people don't realize or they don't know is that before that gig musicians tend to practice for that gig for four or five hours they're not being paid for that time and then On top of that they they also don't get paid for their time being at the venue in terms of gas and money so it's like even though you might be seeing your a local musician for a half an hour set at least like five or six hours of work goes into it that they're not being paid for and that's just like that's that we want to change that is that if we can't pay them for that time at least pay them for the time on their stage and what they deserve and and $50, unfortunately, just doesn't cut it for a four-hour gig.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, No, no, thanks for that uh, kind of explanation for me and for our listeners. And I totally agree with you, right? Uh, People oftentimes, like, you know, you go to a bar or you go to a venue and you see, like, the band go on stage and they think just somehow magically that band knows that song and they can all sing, dance, or perform, like, you know, on harmony and in sync. It's like, no, they actually did a lot of work beforehand, in studios, in in practice, and to get to that form before they do the big show for you as an audience, right? Yeah. Um, I think people tend to forget about that and, and take some of that for granted. Yeah. Uh, so no, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So at, at Face, the, Face the Music, so you, you guys work with uh, local musicians in Vancouver. Yes. Um, yes. And I guess, like, how did you kind of decide to start the organizations and was there kind of like the uh, you know, what were the challenges of starting your own organization
1: yeah so like i said me and Keeley wanted to start face the music in we started last summer we had the goals of being alive Uh, live show promoter with the goal of planning sustainable shows in which musicians can earn a sustainable income. And we were on path to do so. We had showcases planned for the year and then COVID happened. And then we had to change our focus into music PR. Um, And luckily enough, me and Lee knew that that was our first strength was PR communications and marketing is because that's what we went to school for. And we had both been working within the industries for quite some time. So we were like, hey, why not start something on our own? Um, so fortunate enough, we didn't lose any money from the shows. We got it all back, um, and we had also applied for grants. So even like right. like we we didn't lose and anything on it, and we were so fortunate. Um, but when we made that switch to music mm-hmm. PR, it was so natural. Like that's what we knew, um, and it was our fallback. Um, the second part of our company would be music and PR, but we never really marketed until the pandemic happened. So throughout the summer, we got to work on a few releases and got our foot into the ground in terms of building a portfolio in, in working with musicians and helping them support their live, their music in whatever way we can um, by PR marketing communications.
0: So what, what do you kind of uh, do on that aspect then? Like just kind of the, the whole PR, marketing, once again, mm-hmm. like letting our listeners know, like what what kind of, it's a lot of work, right? Especially yeah. taking a business where you have a plan and then
1: mm-hmm. not only it. having to,
0: like you said, rewrite it, rewrite, it, re-write your business plan, um, change direction, dealing with all that in a pandemic while trying to recover, like, you know, recoup, Uh, losses because of cancel shows like what what's involved in the the whole artist PR marketing
1: yeah so we work with musicians to help get word out about their music in terms of PR we're talking about press and social media so making sure that they secure interviews that they need it when their singles come out or their music comes out so we've done a lot of that we also help with social media marketing we create their content and we schedule it throughout the week so it's uh, and utilizing ads so their single is yeah. being heard. Um, and then we also market their music as well. So creating Spotify playlists in which we help distribute their music. So we've done a lot of that. And and again, like like this PR, comms and marketing world, it's like full circle. Like there's so many different names for it, but at the end of the day, like you do different aspects because you have one end goal in which is making sure that, whatever client that you're working with, whatever content they're posting sort of like is able to reach their full potential. And that's why they they hire you in the first place is because they don't have the skill set or the knowledge to do it themselves. And a lot of people do do it themselves and successfully, but there, there are times where people are so busy and whatnot where they do reach out to organizations like us, especially because we're so niche and music developed our, our, contacts and our strategies in such a way that they're able to see the full potential of their music uh, because it's what we know uh, we we call ourselves experts in in music marketing and pr and communications for that reason
0: oh absolutely i i agree with you on that point about the need for that work right there's just so many artists uh that are out there and sometimes it gets lost right it's some the whole you know, you have these giant corporations and companies the record companies, they would just throw money. And sometimes you have these like, really bad artists like you're like, why, why is this person's music like on the billboards or, or on the radio? But meanwhile, there are some really good artists that, don't get to showcase their talent because like you said um, maybe just the marketing wasn't there they don't have time or they didn't have the right strategy so by getting someone like your company you and your partner involved you are able to help them and then they can focus on what they're really good at and what they should be focusing on which is their music their craft
1: yeah exactly and that's why we exist Uh,
0: yes (laughs) So I I think, you know, uh, I I guess it sounds like then, at least for the near future, the marketing and PR is going to be the main thing you guys want to do. But hopefully when shows live shows can come back, then you want to do more pivot back towards like the whole uh, representing artists. Is that, would that be correct?
1: Oh, for sure. Like that's, that's definitely what we want to do. Is that like, not only do me and Keely love what we do, um, we want to help not only artists, but we want to help the local community get in touch with local music. And really after a time like COVID, um, when live shows do become yeah. a thing, it more, more than ever, it's, you have to be supporting your local venues and artists and helping them get through this time and giving them the opportunities to play. And like, that's one thing that we're really focusing on right now is helping artists build their platforms, um, getting the reach that they need in order to fill up these venues once live shows are a thing. Because like once that happens, like we're going full in with the live shows because we miss live music, we experience it, we miss experiencing it, we miss seeing it, we miss performing live music. But like to to curate one for not only the artist but also the audience, like that's a different experience in itself. And that's something we miss so much. Um, And not to say that we'll be shifting our focus back to live music. I think it's just like the two will just very much play hand in hand is that creating sustainable communities for musicians, but also supporting their platforms um, and helping them get their reach through live music and social media. So like, I feel like these two things will play hand in hand with each other.
0: Yeah. I I think it sounds like it does. And you know, you may also have a good point, like after COVID, music and the whole like kind of creativity will be so important. I, I know like I've talked to my wife and I talked to my friends. I said, Oh my God, like when once COVID is over it, when we, majority of people get vaccine and things will open up, it's going to go crazy. People are going to go out. They're going to go to the restaurants. They're going to go to the bars. They're going to, you know, get drinks. They're going to do all the things that were all pent up. They couldn't do. And yeah. you're going to need musicians. You're going to need artists to be there at those venues to oh, welcome yeah. people back to to rebuild the community to rebuild the trust because i also know there are people that because they haven't gone out for so long they've also almost developed like an anxiety they're like I, I don't even know how to function in a social setting or they're yeah. like do i even trust going out because they're like oh what if what if this vaccine isn't good or what if yeah. there people who still get sick so you need the the music you need the artists you need the creativity to draw people out to give them that assurance that like hey things are good again yeah go and have fun essentially
1: yeah and i feel like in a few months and hopefully like we see the results from the vaccine which i know we will like why else would they come out with this vaccine and make it seem so sure like this is the sure thing this is going to help us why else would they release something like that right like without the assurance that this is going to work this is a long-term solution so i never really understood that mindset of like people questioning the ability of like how much is this vaccine going to work like there will always be that fear of like what if COVID happens again but the thing is like even when you get this vaccine you'll be able to go into like live music with like live music shows with the mask on or whatever it may be like slowly things will start opening up again but like you said um arts and culture like is at the center of all our communities and it's going to be the thing that's going to be driving all of our industries because like you said people miss going to concerts they miss going to festivals right there's so many people yes. like you see on, TikTok, on social media and they're just like uh i haven't been to a musical in a really long time yes go support your big artists and whatnot those big festivals like contact or whatever it be like those will always be there but also go support your local artists go to the venues research what venues are out there because they deserve your support too because they'll be the ones who will be driving this economy they're like you don't have to wait four months to go see a festival there's live shows happening every weekend and you can easily go yeah. in for like a seven or ten dollar ticket so make sure just go just go support your local venues and shows after covid because they'll always be there like a live show is always happening every night in vancouver just just go see live music after <laughs> covid is over
0: yes well i i think you know what i'm going to definitely tell people to do is go and see Navrit's uh instagram mm-hmm. and social media because i I know that once COVID's over and the shows are back on, you're going to be heavily uh, promoting and you're going to showcase them. And if people want to know what they can do on a, you know, on a nightly basis or where the coolest scene is, they just got to go look at your Instagram or your oh, social media sure. or, or just DM you. And then I'm sure you'll have a list of recommendations for them.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So yeah. oh, that will be amazing. But like, so, okay, we, we went through like, two of the organizations you went through yeah. you kind of involved in and that's not even all of it right like and that's why i wanted to like, keep emphasizing people like navi's in school she's in her 20s and she's got like working with two organizations and now there's a third distance media as like kind yep. of a creative director role C- distance media how how is that load different than than the other ones
1: so um distance media was created in terms of supporting musicians through this time so we adopted live streams or well, we were noticing that a lot of people were using live streams to get their music out so me yeah. and my four other business partners were like okay what if we create like a con a digital concert experience out of it in a way that not only musicians can uh, make money from it but also um their music can be heard so for like four months from I going to say March to about May, well, that's two months. Um, we were working yeah. from home and creating the digital, the materials that we needed and sort of building a business plan for this to happen. So we did that for two months um, with the goal of providing musicians with an opportunity to make money because live music is just not around right now. And it won't be for until like at least next summer. So we wanted to create a digital live stream platform where musicians can come into a safe, socially distanced studio environment, play a full scale show, make some money off of it. And then the audience benefits it, benefits by experiencing local music and supporting the friends and family through these hard times. And that's why Distance was created.
0: No, that sounds amazing. And so I, I guess like kind of walk me through like if for like somebody like for some of our listeners who may not have done it, like I, I know some people have been like listening to shows or go on Zoom. I've watched a couple of concerts that are through, but like walk, walk someone through like if they are going to join in on this digital music experience, what, what would be kind of like a, something they would expect? Like how would that work?
1: So are we talking about the audience or the musician?
0: I guess for the for the audience, like when they're watching the show, like are there is it you know obviously there's a the concert involved, right? But are yeah. there other things that they should expect, or like how how would this whole thing to kind of make the whole interactivity kind of aspect yeah. and so on, like yeah, other details? So
1: I feel like a lot of people are experiencing this thing called Zoom fatigue, right now. Yeah, in terms of like, oh, absolutely, especially totally with agree. like work and online learning, it's not very interactive. You yeah. just look at a screen for a few hours and be like. Just typing aimlessly, but um, with these live streams is that not only do you get to experience live music in a virtual format, um, you're also helping out your friends and family during this time who rely on music being a part of their income or their full-time income. So um, they Mm -hmm. actually walk, artists walk away with 50% of the ticket sales that night. Um, There hasn't been a show where we've actually managed to pay our artists more than what a local venue would pay for their time um and for them to play so oh, wow. like um it's like we've gotten some pretty good support so like in terms of like engagement and interactivity you get to watch a show mm-hmm. but you also get to um talk to the artists right like that's one thing you don't get to do at a concert is really like interact with the artists um ask them yeah. questions or like add commentary yeah, n- to- not
0: unless you pay like a really expensive backstage pass, like yeah, exactly. what, you're, what you're showcasing or what you're offering is like a really great uh, benefit that in the past people would pay an exorbitant amount of money for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So with our shows, um, like an artist will play a song and then right before the next song we'll unmute them. And the artists are, the audience has the opportunity to like hear their applause. Um, the artists get to see who is in the audience and that that they also ask questions we've done like polls um where the audience is able to interact one-on-one with the the artist and i feel like that's something that i've never experienced at a live show unless like the musician yeah. is able to see you or they're able to hear you which nine times out of ten they never do because of the live music on stage um yeah. so i feel like it, it's a definitely a very engaging experiencing experience because for ten dollars you get to see a live show but you also interact with your favorite local artists and you get to support local artists as well
0: yeah, that's that's amazing and, and i love the fact that you brought up about the uh 50 the, the artist makes like 50 percent of the of the revenue and then the fact that they actually making more than they were playing on other shows in the past right it really goes back to what were uh what you said earlier is the 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 kind of the goal of making uh, and uh, in developing sustainable shows that yeah. uh, artists get paid for their what they're worth and their yeah. time and effort, right? Yeah, and it yeah. sounds like you're already doing that. Right? So yeah, like no, that, it's, that's amazing.
1: It's definitely like an adaptive strategy with what we have right now. And unfortunately, we did have to cancel the rest of the year's live streams in November just because. Um, we didn't feel it was safe to have that many people in a studio, especially in a closed space, even though we were allowed to social distance. Yeah. Um, we mm-hmm. we wanted to ensure the safety of our musicians and unfortunately, like distance has been put on rest until the new year. Just making sure that everyone is safe, especially with the numbers that we're seeing every day. Like at this point, you never know who yeah. has it. Um,
0: yes.
1: So like unfortunately we've had to cancel the rest of the year and like the show's going into next year but like once we're the numbers have died down a little bit and once we've all been vaccinated like they'll they'll definitely be making a return before live music will
0: Yeah, and you know what i'm i'm looking forward to it personally uh, it yeah. sounds like uh you know I, one for one i respect that you your team and these artists are all like uh, you know, having to make the sacrifices, but also understanding it's like, hey, we're all in this together. Let's make sure everyone stays safe. But then Mm -hmm. two is like, hey, we're going to come back stronger. And next year, we're going to come back with more content. So yeah, I know, I I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, But like, like, uh, like, so you're involved in, you know, you've got school, you're volunteering for your own city in Mm -hmm. the music program. You've got uh, Face the Music, uh, you know, like that you you started up with your one business partner. They got distance music. You partner with like three or four other business partners. Like mm-hmm. you spend so much time involved on music. So i I'm, I, I think no one's going to argue with me when I when I'm going to say that you're an expert on like you know the local music scene or just kind of like the music in general. Uh, so, outside of your work what are you know for our listeners are there any kind of music that you would want uh or or artists that you want people to know about like what kind of music to recommend and when i just say that i mean like all genre because i i find that right now with a lot of music uh when i'm listening to just even if i if i put on a random playlist or you know spotify or whatever it the the genres kind of all meld together so it's not just about like rock or pop or whatever like pop means doesn't mean anything to me Mm -hmm. um like, what, what music do you, rec- do you recommend for, you know, like a, a, a range of audiences?
1: Yeah, so um, from what I've been seeing is that a lot of people at heart are actually, like, delving into the indie scene quite, quite a bit. Like, they're trying to, like, yeah. walk through this world of, like, hip-hop, or, like, not saying that hip-hop is trash, like, hip-hop is amazing, but, like, they're walking outside of popular music right for the longest time the radio was all we had listened to um things like spotify didn't really come into into full play until like 2015 but even then i don't think people were like streaming music until like two or three years ago and really understand the full potential of like finding new music through these platforms um so yeah i feel like a lot of people have been listening to indie music and especially in vancouver um a lot of the music scene is quite centered around indie music and indie rock. Um, a few artists, local artists, that I would love to recommend are Peach Pit. Um, they're actually probably mm-hmm. the number one up and coming band out of Vancouver right now. Uh, they were actually yeah. set to go on a world tour like last year and that got canceled. So oh, um, wow. yeah, Yeah. Um, Peach Pit. Another uh, artist that I would recommend is Young Friend. Um, That's his alias, but he's known as Drew Tarvez. but he's very much like indie pop and he's got a vibe going on that's sort of like unmatched. And from what I've heard of, um, a Canadian artist that I've really loved recently has been Andy Schof. He comes from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Um, His songwriting is something that I feel that everyone can relate to. And I feel like everyone will love his sort of like quirky, but sad, but yet relatable, like energy. His music is like so endearing and so cute. So I feel like a lot of people would vibe with that. Um, Who am I? I? In terms of R&B, she's not a local artist or a Canadian artist um, is Kaja Bonet. I Mm -hmm. like to name her as like this generation's Sade. So her voice is like literally like smooth as honey. And I feel like it's another thing that people are really digging into nowadays is R&B, especially like returning back to old school R&B. So a lot of her music is really that old school R&B vibe that you would have dig if you're into like 90s Destiny's Child Sade sort of vibe.
0: Yeah, I, I feel that's really kind of on on the the trend now, right? I know uh, maybe a couple of years ago was like '90s grunge, so early '90s. Then we're kind of slowly working our way. Then it's like okay, mid '90s, and then you, like you just said, R and B, uh, Destiny Child. Like that's obviously more like early two thousands, but still, like people are slowly working their way through the the decade, and yeah. it's kind of that the R and B and the '90s hip hop vibe is coming back in. Uh, so no, that's that's really cool. Uh, no, they you, actually you probably, Yeah, sorry, you, you go first.
1: Yeah, so it's funny enough that you say that um, Taylor Swift released her new album like beginning of last yes. week and there's a lyric Evermore, yeah. in her song Willow called I come back stronger than a 90s trend and yes, it's so funny when You mentioned like the 90s are making a comeback and it's so funny to see that like in TikTok and social media so much of like fashion is being influenced by that but also music is that a lot of people are returning yeah. back to those like grunge roots and like this thing of subcultures has been like the m- the more popular thing because of live or sorry things of like Spotify is that people are veering away from the radio and sort of like creating their own communities around the music that they like yeah. or like came across on a random playlist so it's like more than ever, music is diverse because, like, there's something out there for everyone. Not to say that, like, Spotify should not be put under the heat for underpaying their artists, like, severely, yeah. but as a tool for, yeah. like, getting into local music and just getting into different areas of music, it's, it's definitely broadened people's palettes and learned to appreciate different forms of music.
0: Yeah. No, and I, I was actually going to kind of continue that point you were saying about, like, Spotify and streaming. Because it's in North America, I find that up until, like you said, like literally maybe 2015, 2016, streaming wasn't really a thing. Everybody mm-hmm. was just still downloading music, right? Like this is the days of like Apple, with iTunes store, where everybody was showing off that like, oh, I've got like 20 gigs or 100 gigs of music. I've got 20,000 songs in my library that I downloaded, or I bought, you know, songs at 99 cents. But then you you look at like, statistics for other countries like asia in asia and in europe and they were all streaming music way before us and i think maybe it had to do with like you know th- their data plans are a little better or different but yeah streaming was really huge they, the the download versus streaming like the the proportion over there they were already streaming way ahead of us and so i feel like in north america we were a little behind and now we're mm-hmm. starting to catch up and streaming has become more of a thing and like you said i i've been doing that too where i listen I listen to a lot of uh, uh, a lot of playlists. Like I, I don't necessarily go like oh I'm looking for the specific artist, but I listen mm-hmm. to based on what I feel. So yeah. in a sense of like, especially this year because I didn't get to travel, yeah. I would actually look up play, playlist by location. Like like I was like oh I miss Tokyo, so I found yeah. a playlist called Road, Road to Tokyo. And I would mm-hmm. just listen and would just showcase like Japanese artists or so on. Mm. But so I, I think, like you said, I'd agree with you that the streaming has opened things wide for finding indie or less well-known artists.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, and I feel like something like there's, like I said, music is, there's always that saying, and I feel like this is more like a boomer mentality or someone who's yeah. been through the rock ages. They, they they there's a common saying where they say like none of the music that I hear now matches up to what I experienced in my day or like all music is uh-huh. over and whatnot like I'm so tired yeah. of that mentality and having to like hear that because like for their entire life they've only really listened to the same 10 or 12 records on repeat and called that yeah the best music that they've ever heard mind you it took exactly. them a lot of time they got an a to side
0: they got a b side and then they were like that's it
1: <laughs> yeah exactly that's it right so but things like spotify like we're living in an age where music is more diverse than ever not only are people being influenced by those artists that boomers claim to have the best music of all time but yeah. they don't like young people are also being influenced by those artists and creating music like that or being influenced by that so like at the end of the day like literally and 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 i mean pun intended just open up your ears right like go outside from what you know and utilize these platforms in the best way that you can Make sure you're finding local artists, make sure that you're playing their music religiously because like I said, there's two sides to the story. As great as a tool streaming music is in terms of finding music, but there's also that downside of that because there's so much music out there, they're not getting paid for their streams or they're not getting paid enough. So like utilize this great tool for finding music and play local music to the the full of its potential take the time listen to the like do what clint said in terms of like filter out the location find a vancouver play a music playlist or a toronto wherever you are find a local playlist and go through that playlist and once you find the artist that you're looking for guess what spotify has another tool where you can find a like artist within that same area go play their music it's like a funnel you know and just like,
0: Yeah. You you go to, you can go down like a path. You can go down a long path if you want to, if you choose. So like it, you yeah. can find a lot of different music and, and creativity out there. Uh, no, I, I agree with everything you say. And I, I feel like, yeah, like, like even though you and I probably just a different genre, but I feel we approach music in a similar mentality yeah. and a, in a similar viewpoint, where we try to open up to yeah. kind of new stuff and let and even if we don't like it, we can be like, okay, I can understand. There's a maybe a yes, cultural impact, or it may influence someone else. It's not my yeah. cup of tea, but yeah. I understand there is going to be some sort of significance uh, around that song or that artist.
1: Yeah, for sure, and um, like when it comes to my taste in music like it's so open like i never say no to anything like surprisingly enough i do enjoy country music like there's different parts of country Uh, that i love and it's because of like spotify that i've been able to appreciate and open myself into new genres honestly it's what made me like reach out and start supporting local music is because of spotify but again Mm -hmm. there's also that other side where local artists are not getting paid enough for streaming. So once you discover their music, make sure you play it religiously in hopes of them getting paid more than four dollars every quarter. Yeah,
0: exactly. Make sure they get paid more, make sure they kind of go up the the charts, the ranks, so there's more visibility, which would then cause a positive cycle for them to earn more and and gain more recognition. Exactly. Um, Yeah, I know, awesome uh and yeah i i love that like you know we, we had this kind of you have such a passion for music and it, it's you know like you, like we said moving away from the whole stem and kind of the generic asian career is like hey like i'm gonna do something really different and but here's the thing and i'm gonna you know slowly transition to our next topic is you're so involved in in school three different organizations, you're out on shows all the time, you're supporting local artists. Like, do you have time for like other things in life? And when I say other things, I think you know which topic I'm going into is to talk <laughs> about like dating. Do you uh, even have time to go out there and date?
1: Um. So this is such like, I don't know, it's a new topic to talk about. Um. But like, I'm a very, busy human person and unfortunately i'm yes, not able yes. to like really spend time in my daily life running to to keep strangers into coffee shops and talking with them so like i've <laughs> for the, like past four years or like three years i've solely relied on yeah. the apps in terms of meeting someone because like it's so easy to just talk to someone not to say the apps are the best place for dating mm-hmm. it's just so easy to like Talk to someone that way, and just meet someone that way, and usually, you find what, what people, apps are
0: you using? Uh,
1: the, the the trio of Tinder, Bumble, and Hinge. A trio,
0: yeah. Uh, which do you do you find there's a difference? Like I talked with Wayne about this, where we're like it's kind of the same people over and over. But do you find that one platform works better than another?
1: Um, I would say like even though all three of them market themselves in a different way, like the one thing that separates bumble from tinder is that women get to talk first so that alleviates the pressure from tinder in terms of like who gets to talk first and you know yeah. so like that's the only thing really differing from between tinder and bumble than between like hinge and the both of them is that you get to see who likes you before you swipe on them like and it's a little bit mm-hmm. more personal because they like question or answer on your prompts that you might have on your profile but at the end of the day they all sort of serve the same purpose and it's like yeah. like you said like you run into the same people and like there's a point <sighs> where it's like you reach the end and there's no one else so you just delete the apps for a few months and then you start and see if there's anyone <laughs> you there.
0: wait for the replenish right you, you wait for the new new crop to show up
1: yeah. But then even after like those four months off those apps, the same people show up and it's just like, oh you again. So it's I feel like within yeah. Vancouver, it it's a very small city in in every way possible, like as as globally known and as beautiful as the city is. It's just one yeah. of those unfortunate places where everyone knows everyone, where like you see everyone, even though you might know them, you somehow run into that same person, like Three times, you know, like, have you ever had that moment? Yeah. Where, like, you might be out in a neighborhood getting lunch, that person sitting there, yeah. and like, half an hour later, you run into that same person again in a different neighborhood. Like, that's happened to me yeah. on, on multiple occasions. Same thing. You're like,
0: dating. okay, this is starting to get awkward now.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing with the, the dating apps. It's just sort of like,
0: yeah, every- my, my friends, uh, yeah. My friends say the same thing too. My uh, love, my female friends. They say, at the end of the day, the apps are kind of all the same in the sense because the people are the same, right? The yeah. the avenues of communication are different, but we have the um, same
1: conversations.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Navrit, you you know, we we talking about using a different dating apps. I know one thing you and I had briefly talked about. Uh, in regards to dating and relating back to the whole Asian Asianish ish uh, kind of discussion is, is the p- cultural pressure of dating within your own race. And I think you mentioned about that before. You want to go into, a little bit more into that uh, kind of for, for the audience there? Like yeah, what have so, you kind of, uh, you thought about that?
1: Yeah. So um, it, it's there at the end of the day, my parents do expect me to be someone who's, of the same faith the same ethnicity and speaks the same language but unfortunately it's not been that way for me in terms of like me Finding uh-huh. someone within my own community that shares the same values and same has the same mindset Um, like I said yeah. jabbies in general have been known to be a little bit more traditional a little bit more conservative And even living in a country like Canada and having the same education, it's hard. It's been hard to find someone who has the same mindset and values with me. At the end of the day, because at the end of the day, that's what matters, right? Like, yes, there's this saying of opposites attract, but that's usually when it comes to personality, right? But at the end of the day, you want to be with someone who shares the same values and same mindset as you, because like that's what brought you together. In the first place right like i've been with yeah, someone who's had a different mindset and different values than me and unfortunately that that didn't pair well together like we 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 fought constantly and we were constantly mm-hmm. like i felt like i was being degraded by him because i was i i i did act different and had yeah. different ideals and values so it's been hard for me to find someone within like my ethnicity that who shares the same values and unfortunate unfortunately like i've found places or found people with outside my ethnicity who do share the same values same mindset as me and like again like it's it's always a balance or like something that i'm struggling with is like trying to find someone who's within my cultural culture ethnicity to find someone of of the same value who shares the same values and same mindset as I do and sort of supports me in what I do like that's a big part of it too but unfortunately I haven't been able to find someone and that has led me to date outside my ethnicity in terms of like finding partners who have shared the same views as I did and yeah it's like something that I struggle with and like to be honest, like I'm not looking to settle down anytime soon or really like get anything Yeah, there's absolutely. so much more I want to accomplish in my life. But like, I'm not-
0: Definitely with your busy schedule, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, like I'm not closed off to the idea of like meeting someone within my own race or ethnicity that shares the same values I do because I know there's people out there but it just like means spending time I don't have to find them. And which is why I rely on the apps. Yeah. The first place is like, <laughs> You you get to meet people who have similar interests and talk the same way. But as of right now, it's been a lot of me dating outside my ethnicity and finding partners who share the same mindset values as me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I find that is um, something I can totally understand because you know, I think like I, we, we t- talked about right at the start of the podcast was like I grew up in neighborhoods or areas, communities that were predominantly white or mm-hmm. Western. So therefore, the things I grew up, the interests and, and the way I talk or my thinking can be more Westernized. Yeah. And I remember I had family that would say like I have family members. And I'm not going to call specific people, but mm-hmm. who had said like, you know, you can't bring uh, a white girl home. Like I'm not going to open a door for you if you yeah. do uh stuff like that right and so mm-hmm. they they expect that like you know, you have to marry like a chinese person or whatever and mm-hmm. and i've heard that from so many like aunties before because mm-hmm. they're like and, and one of them i was like you you were a grew up here like you don't even you can't even speak like um fluent cantonese so why are you demanding that i have to marry like you know a chinese person like, i can i should marry whoever i want yeah. and i think what you said about uh, having the similar values, similar kind of mindset and, and passions is very important. Yeah. Because I think those are the things that make a good, like strong, lasting relationship. Yeah. Not necessarily just because like, oh, you, your family and their family both come from the same village or the same country yeah. or the same area or you have the same color skin. Mm-hmm. Those things don't make for good relationships. It's, Especially not it's like a healthy stuff, one. Right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Not, not, not a healthy one. Yeah. So, you you know, you talked about like, you know, where you'd like to meet people, not, not necessarily you'd like, but it's out of uh, your time and and necessity where you are right now is you meet through the apps. Right. Yeah. So what is kind of like then like your ideal, your ideal first date? Like, is it, you, you, you're saying like, you know, you don't really do the coffee shop thing, but like, what is, what would be your ideal first date? What would you Um,
1: want to do? I would say just like, so I love beer. Like that's what I love to do. I I love to like, <laughs> yeah. like that's one thing that's been a big passion of mine is discovering types of beer and like, um, usually like sitting down at a brewery and just like getting to know each other over a brew is usually my ideal date. And then afterwards, like if we have time for a show, um, yeah. that we experience show. And especially like that's something I need someone to have is appreciation for music. Like, that's so much of my life. Like, they don't have to be a musician. Um, But just to have appreciation for, like, discovering new types of music that, like, likes to experience live music is definitely a must for me. So, like, that would be my ideal first date.
0: Beer music. Yes. Yeah, I think those two are like very straightforward, like very good things to check. Like, hey, I, I definitely agree with you. For me, like my, my thing is like food, right? So yeah. if I go on a first date, or if I go on a date, or I meet anybody, even like, mm-hmm. you know, new friends, and then you're over a meal, I can be like, okay, you don't like that food, or you're too picky. It's like, no, like, I'm not gonna, not gonna be yeah. interested. or I don't yeah. want to be friends with you. And I yeah. think it's maybe the same thing for you. It's like, if they if they start criticizing you know not being open-minded to beer or not being open-minded to music you'll be like yeah. I, I know what kind of person you are and i'm not interested yeah exactly yeah you know, no, that's that's great mm-hmm. um and then you you also talked a bit about the interest you know, just because like you know dating kind of other brown men have been mm-hmm. in- intimidating or or like it's been not intimidating but like difficult oh, um, yeah. so like You know, if you go on a date, are are there like differences like interacting with like an Asian guy versus a non-Asian? Like, how how has that been? Like, do you find?
1: Yeah. So, like this, I should say that this has been my experience. I don't want to speak on anyone else's experience when it comes to absolutely.
0: This is this is your your own experience you're sharing. Yeah, dating someone
1: within my own race and being with them is that I tend to notice the men. That the brown men that I tend to go out and dates with like have been quite like Dismissive they expect me to act a certain way like from the get-go or me to talk a certain way from the get-go And there's always that questioning of like, okay, you work with in live music How do you plan to make money off that for the rest of your life? so like any sort of like date I go with on a brown person has sort of been more of an interview and oh that, like that's one thing that brought They're me. like,
0: show me your business plan show me like where the profits come in in 5 years and 10 years how did you grow your business it's like
1: oh for sure yeah like yeah. like i don't blame them either because like there's this inner in our culture like stability and like long term is one thing that's been like hammered into in our brain, brain from yeah. the beginning like i do blame some of the culture and upbringing for that i find that people within my own ethnicity are less open-minded than i am yeah they're Mm -hmm. they almost expect something from off the bat and again this has just been my experience or they feel like they're allowed to talk to me in a certain way or like be a little bit more of just douchey and braggy like they have something to prove yeah. again like very intern interview style like that's how it's been in dating yes. within my own ethnicity show me
0: show me a resume show me a resume exactly Words your references yeah um, but so, like have you have you ever tried like you know doing the beer and music like the show date like ideal first date you said su- you just suggested like have you done that with any of these guys like and how have they kind of reacted to it
1: wait so brown guys and white guys or just yeah.
0: like well, I guess brown guys i mean i would assume a lot of white guys are totally open to that oh, idea oh, yeah. but some of these yeah, uh, brown sure. guys, that you mentioned. Brown
1: guys like n- the only thing they know is drake so they're not going to go to an indie pop concert at some dingy venue on main street like that's just not going to happen
0: <laughs> so, so off the bat you're like okay no like i'm already cutting that out because you, you already don't pass that test
1: yeah so. like no like again like a date is something that you're supposed to enjoy and really get to know someone. But like when I've been on dates with Brown guys, it's never been that it's always felt like some sort of interrogation or an interview. Like, where do you, where do you want to be in five years? Or like, they straight up just dismiss what I do. Like in terms of like local music, it's like, how do you plan to make money off that? Or like,
0: or they'll be like, oh, there's no career in that. Or they're like, oh, that's just your hobby. They would say yeah, like, then it's the just like, like condescending stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. So it's been a lot of that. Then it's like you go over this list of what you've been able to accomplish within your own community. And then they're just sort of like, well, that might change in like five years, right? So I'm like...
0: Gee, that's, that's, that's yeah. some condescending so it, Like, today. again,
1: this has been my experience. Um, but again, like you never know, right? Like unfortunately dating is not the one th- it's yeah. not on my list of priorities like ever so it's that's always like if i have time to that's when i'll download the well, I'm, I'm, again here's or... what
0: i'm hoping here's what i'm hoping is that there is a good south <laughs> asian guy who is really into music who eventually listen to this episode and be like hey that that girl sounds interesting and yeah. slide into the DMs and be like i listened to that episode Wondering if you want to grab a beer and watch a show with me. That's, exactly. what, we, that's what we need. Exactly, that's what we need. That's why exactly. you're on the show. And
1: this is yeah. my sole purpose of coming on to Asia. <laughs> this to say, is my sole purpose of husband. coming
0: on. <laughs> 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 oh no, no, we're here to showcase the 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 amazing career and accomplishments you already have up to this point in your life. Yeah. Uh, that's what we're here for.
1: Yes, exactly. I guess,
0: okay, yeah, I guess you know, final thing kind of on this dating is. Do you have any tips for our male listeners on how they should, you know, act, whether it's on a date, whether it's going to actually, maybe even going to a show, like, like, what are some courtesy, what are things they yeah. should do and act? I, I find a lot of guys. Um, there's a lot of things that they do wrong, whether it's on the apps, that whether it's like actually on the date, they'll freeze, they'll say something awkward, they won't realize it. What are I, some things from female perspective that yeah, you think I, guys should do better?
1: um don't be an emotionless dick um don't be like (laughs) like that that's that's my one thing and like this is like this is toxic masculinity that's been embedded in males from the get-go like they always feel like they have something to show or like they're just completely emotionless but like that's such a turn off (laughs) for women especially considering how like emotions are what drive us right like um or like we we tend to think things very deeply um but also just be straightforward like that's one thing from the apps is that men and women alike will lead each other on for weeks on end and there's this concept of ghosting where a person dips out last minute if you're not looking for a relationship just be straightforward don't be that dick who like gets someone's hopes up for like weeks on end yeah because like A lot of people have been guilty, both females and males. Like they build up this reality of like what it's like to be in in a relationship with this person, and then a few weeks later on, they start ghosting, and then people tend to cling on to this ideal of this person for as long as they can, and the obsession gets worse. Then you add social media into that factor, and like I don't understand this one thing that people do is like keep track of like whose pictures that person likes, or like I know people like have commented on like. They'll check their crushes, like, yeah. followers list constantly just to see their following.
0: Oh, my and God. <laughs> that is like the worst.
1: toxic thing to do is just, like, lead someone on, but also, like, the person who's being led on or whatever, it's just, like, they build up this reality in their head that isn't real because of social media and, like, you're yeah. want, wanting to constantly keep tabs on on this person. But at the end of the day, this person also owes you nothing, like, especially if something isn't official so like it works both ways don't yeah. lead someone on but also don't like expect something from that person if like things yeah. aren't
0: Don't sit they're planning out that your future wedding plans and yeah, everything exactly. with them like on your head and expecting them have to do acts a certain way even though you guys haven't even met right
1: exactly um, and i feel like a lot of yeah. people tend to get very pent up in that like like build this idea or reality in their head and then when this person lets them down they're they're completely heartbroken and at the end of the day like you you have reasons why you should be heartbroken but it's also like people expecting too much from the get-go so this is like my one thing with online dating in general is like keep your expectations low
0: (laughs) hey i i think that's really good i think uh that is Navrit spitting spitting facts for our listeners, uh, both male and female, just basically for everybody. That that was a very good general practical advice. And I think people should take that to heart. Yeah, especially now. Yeah. So Navrit, we've gone through kind of the whole spectrum or or the whole gambit of finding out about growing up in a, you know, uh, different communities where we went from living in kind of a more white, uh kind of background growing up you know influences then to a community where it's predominantly uh south asian uh finding out about your where you got your musical influence and how even before you got into that as a career you're already trying to build a base and learn and all the different organizations that you developed and started or you know helping a community it's it's been great finding out Uh, all this from you. I just want to thank you for, uh, you know, coming on the show. Um, You know, Navrit, are there any things that like you would like to kind of plug or uh, promote before we kind of end things off for the day?
1: Yeah, uh, feel free if you ever want to talk to me like about music or anything in general. I like to think that I'm a pretty inviting person. So uh, feel free to DM me about music or anything. If you have questions about like the the Music City Task Force, like I I plugged earlier, go follow me at Navrit Dollywall on Instagram. And uh, the two organizations that you can also follow are Face the Music ENT on Instagram and Distance Media on Instagram, Distance spelled D-S-T-N-C-E, Media.
0: Yeah, and I'll, I'll definitely also be posting, uh, you know, those, those uh, handles and links uh, on our on our Instagram profile as, uh, as future posts come on. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, once again, I just want to you know thank Navid for coming on the show. I also want to thank our listeners. Um, you know, thank you for listening. Uh, if you're new to the show, please subscribe to the podcast and follow so you can find out our uh, you latest episodes. Uh, leave a review. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Google Music, uh, Apple, and uh, all the other podcasts. And uh, we also have our own uh, Instagram account at Asianish Podcast. So. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye.